Welcome everybody to uh, RM Sotheby's Car Show. And this week we're going to be chatting to um, Adam Thorby, who is the boss of Supercar Driver. And Supercar Driver, to many of you, will be a well-known supercar club based in the UK. But uh, the exciting news for 2024 is that we've got a partnership with them. Um, and uh, Supercar Driver is very well known to a lot of people on social media because of their secret meet. Uh, because of the incredible cars they get there. And we're delighted to have the partnership, and it's really interesting to chat to Adam uh, to hear a little bit more about the club. So enjoy the episode. If you're keeping your ears to the ground um, in the sort of collecting cars world, you might be aware already that RM Sotheby's has just formed a partnership with the Supercar Driver Club. And so uh, that's very exciting news for us. We're very happy about that. And so we thought that it would be really nice just to speak to Adam Thorby, who is the club founder. And uh, he's going to tell us a little bit more about the club and uh, everything that it gets up to. And uh, for those of you who are familiar with Supercar Club, you might be aware of the secret meet, which um, actually, Adam, it's not so much of a secret these days, is it? The secret meet. It, it did start <laughs> off as a secret, but these days it's not really a secret. Yeah, at one point in time it was. Um, yeah, it was a secret. But uh, but yeah, no, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. And like I say, we're super excited about the, the start of the partnership and, and obviously what we can do together over this year. Um, I mean, I don't know where you want to start per se well, from, yeah. from, from the start. I, th I, I think let's start at the beginning because I've, and I think a lot of people, particularly, you know, perhaps through social media as much as anything else, even people that, you know, don't own supercars will have an awareness of, of uh, Supercar Driver Club. But I mean, how did it start and when did it start, I guess? Um, it started in, well, officially 2010. I was doing some events in 2009. Uh, we set it up as a as a business as a company on sort of 18th of October 2010. That's always sort of stuck in my mind. Um, okay. And uh, it's been a been a crazy kind of 14 years since then. And and um, like, like a lot of things, I think people sort of see see supercar driver now and think I'm oh, instant success, overnight success. But it has been a a, a long and arduous journey to to get to where we are now. Um, I think it's always been a huge passion. Like you, you love cars. I love cars. Mm -hmm. I love driving. I've always loved driving. Um, I haven't been fortunate enough to own sort of supercars until uh, more recently, uh, but but previously I just used to whatever I owned at the time I'd drive down a road as as quick as I could and <laughs> and have some fun in it and it would always make me smile. So um, it was kind of a it felt like a natural progression to to sort of get into into this uh, this line of work, but I never thought it would it would be called a job. You know, I never thought it would actually be something a career. I'm actually now it's it's definitely something I sort of see myself doing for hopefully the rest of my life. Um, so. Yeah, like I say, it started from a, a hobby, organizing events, and then uh, building a community, more and more people joining. Um, and then it was actually the sort of the members at the time in in probably early mid to mid 2010 uh, saying, you, you, should, you should charge for this. So um, we did, and we charged like 40 quid a year. <laughs> we had 200 members, and you started doing the math, thinking, okay, I can get eight grand a year here. I can start to make a, make a job out of this. And you know what I mean? It just, and then it's yeah. just sort of yeah. snowballed since then. So, uh, what, but what was it back in 2010? So, you, you you know, you've had some interesting cars, but and obviously there have been supercar clubs around in one form or another for for for, for quite a long time. What 
what were existing clubs not catering for as far as you were concerned what 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 why why i mean i know it started off kind of as a hobby but it developed into a business why what what was your motivation behind doing that i mean the motivation was the passion so there was there was never a business plan let's be very clear with that it, it's just sort of um evolved from its own success um at the time there was no one else doing what we were doing really not that i can think of i mean instagram had only just launched in in late 2010 so yeah it wasn't that wasn't even a platform that we, or social media wasn't even that um that that much much of a thing um but yeah there wasn't anyone doing a multi-mark car club and obviously back in the day we were a lot more relaxed about our um entry criteria than we are now which obviously since it's become sort of a, a bit more of a business over 2017 2016 17 and onwards we, we started to tighten the criteria but back then there wasn't really anyone doing what we were doing and okay um and, and also what's funny is I, I i used to see well you've been familiar with piston heads etc there, there were there were those kind of online communities but there was there was nothing really doing regular meets uh we were sort of mainly north of england a bit of east midlands and, and north northwest and yorkshire and there was just nobody doing that no that's yeah the, the piston heads forum <laughs> yeah, i used to lose yeah, myself i was actually never a community member um but i used to find my way onto the piston heads forum uh, a fair bit and you can absolutely get lost in there can't you You go down to all sorts of rabbit holes <laughs> yeah of course you can and, and and that was kind of like the instagram of its day really wasn't it owners sharing yeah. what their, their, their experiences and you get the andy bruces of this world showing people his, his zondas and stuff in sort of mid to early 2000s so that's something i yeah. got a bit hooked on um, um but ours was never an on online platform ours was always a, a real kind of face-to-face -face meeting point um and and like i say we, we just started doing more and more events it was it was two a month it was three a month it was four a month five six and then last year we did 183 events so um yeah it's kind of evolved yeah so, I, that time i actually marvel at that statistic 362 days, 365, yeah. i can't even remember how many days yeah. long the year 365 days in a year <laughs> and you did how many events 183 is it's obscene actually and, and that's too many like i think we've we all came out of covid thinking we all need to do everything now we need to try and sort of make up for lost time and and that works to a certain degree but as, as you know with some of your clients they're all busy people they haven't got the time so we, yeah. we we've changed tact a bit for this this year slightly different approach but but yeah last year was was crazy it doesn't doesn't make 180 events i i i'm i i think our listeners will be <laughs> like absorbing that i mean how that is a huge number of events and obviously you know you're quite well known for your big kind of long rallies where you're it, it, you, mm. you go somewhere nice and it's over a few days clearly you didn't do 180 of those so what the, the what are the events broadly made up of i mean there's there's lots of meets and socials that's probably the the bread and butter uh, a lot of drives early morning drives before anyone's awake in the morning sort of meeting at half six and back for back for 8 30 right. uh, on a sunday morning sometimes like say there are there were probably um 10 odd tours from the uk and europe um a lot of sort of uh, factory events with uh, manufacturers or dealers um special stuff obviously like the secret meat but there's not too many of those um but you've you've probably got 20 25 between tours and and the more special stuff 
and then just loads of different things regionally as well all across the uk so it, it does amount uh, amass very quickly but even i was quite taken back by that i thought we'd maybe done 150 and then when james said we'd done 183 i was like wow that's that's crazy i mean people pay 399 pounds a year and you were offering that much value it's 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 kind of almost sort of reaching saturation point so so yeah that's yeah. why we sort of changed tact for this year and i've got a slightly different approach sort of quality over quantity well i mean we are in Sotheby's, we think that we're kind of overworked by doing um you know between five and ten auctions a year um, I know, which is enough do... i can tell you but um yeah, yeah no I, I i so nobody within nobody on your payroll is allowed to take any holiday <laughs> is that what <laughs> yeah. you're saying yeah yeah they all end up at the year with their, their full allocation of holiday at the yeah. end of the year and, and, and all of december off but yeah no it's but I, that's the thing i mean the team are like me they're, they're full of passion and I think like, this is something that's, that I've always sort of said since the start. It's never been counting the, the pounds and the pence, and it's never, never really had a business plan. We've just, just gone with the gut, yeah. uh, followed your yeah. instincts. And I, I know this business better than anyone. Um, I know my my world better than anyone um, in terms of what we need to do. And it just feels I've always, it's always felt so right. I can't really sort of describe it. But but ever since sort of 2010, when I felt like I was onto something, um, and and had a burning desire to sort of make something of it, and and to to now and and i think one thing I, that can't be overlooked is all the people that have helped me along the way this it's not like it's just been me 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 you know, there's been a lot of people a lot of the members who have, have been successful business people that um that have, have shared their insight with me been sort of mentors for me opened the doors for me to a lot of other people um so obviously super grateful for for those people um but i think what is consistent with us is we've got a we've, we've all sorry we've been consistent as a business we've been consistent as events we've got a really good reputation we, we treat people right we um yeah it just seems to seems to work i it's quite interesting something you said a few moments ago that when you started the club you were less strict on the criteria for the cars and it's a question quite often i get asked uh what is a supercar you know it's it's some it's one of those things that uh, and then people, because of you know the word hypercar emerged into the marketplace a few years ago. So people say, "Well, what is a supercar? How do you how do you qualify that?" Well, if those are supercars, what's a hypercar, and why is that a hypercar and not a supercar? And why is it's, you know it's a yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, so going back, you started off what taking kind of the full spectrum of nine elevens or M power yeah. BMWs. That's yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, lots of M cars, lots of RS fours. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and I was just grateful for for any anyone with a performance car really to join us. And I suppose just over time it has has slightly evolved and changed, and we've and we've tightened the criteria. Um, but it's funny actually. There's still people that joined in 2010 that are still members now with some of them even with the same cars, which is quite cool. But Golf GTI, um, but super impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know it. But I think you're the same. I mean, you own a few cool cars, don't you? And um, and and that's what we were talking about the other day. Is your Boxer is a supercar, and it, it's for me, it's a supercar of its day, and that would be uh, absolutely qualify for for a for supercar driver. Yeah, and I think it's funny, you know, when you think of of, of like a Ferrari Boxer. I mean, it, you know, it's a quick car, but these days, <laughs> you know, the, the the sort of naught to sixty times or everything, you know, whatever, they don't really stack up against some of the fastest hot hatches. But I mean, it is a great car, and I love it. And I guess, you know, I would I would never do a track day with it. I mean, a because it would wreck it, and it's probably a terrible track. I mean, I've never put it on a circuit. It'd probably be a terrible track car anyway. Um, yes. But 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 for road driving, um, you know, I, it, it'll keep up 
it, it, it can live with most cars. I mean, you know, I don't want to get can I don't want the podcast to get cancelled because uh, of uh, any talk <laughs> breaking speed limits. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's nice. I think on any event, and you know, I think if you do a, um, an event and there are sort of loads and loads of supercars that were all made within a few years of each other it's quite a spectacle to behold but actually i think with all of these events it's quite nice to mix it up with some of the older stuff isn't it yes yeah 100 percent. yeah definitely and i think that's that's always important um i mean one thing that we've kind of changed our tact a little bit for for this year is that cars are crazy fast like think about cars from 2010 when we had we used to see a bunch of sort of 360 spiders and challenge Radales. they were sort of common at events um, obviously see those less and less these days um but used to be able to drive her down a road and, and you weren't going silly speeds whereas the new latest and greatest so we have uh these days they're so much quicker um and we've just had to sort of change our tact a little bit to sort of keep things responsible and professional and, and managed um just to be able to sort of still cater for, for owners of the latest cars when um when you can't actually utilize anywhere near what they are capable of on public roads so um mm. that's been a bit of a sort of a, 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 a sort of talking point last year in, in the office with the team like saying how can we sort of make sure we're sustainable for the next 10 20 years with ever increasing sort of restrictions on the road and ever increasing fast cars um and and the fact that a lot of these sort of modern cars are so accessible now there's finance readily available and and all the different options to own so um, yeah, that's been I know it's sort of slightly different from what we were just talking about there, but it has been a very sort of relevant thing in the last sort of 12 months for us, um, just because obviously we are keen to still be here in time. So. It's funny, isn't it? You know, supercars, one of the things that always made the the in the real world with ordinary drivers that aren't pro drivers. If you go back, supercars always used to be very, very intimidating cars, you know, an, an old Porsche Turbo. Um, uh, a Ferrari Testarossa, I mean, mm. any number of a Diablo um, and anything previous to that, they're actually they're quite difficult to drive quickly. Very often, you know, there's a lot of weight out the back and there's, you, you know, and you they're quite physically quite big cars, a lot of them. So you put them on country B roads and they feel I think to a lot of ordinary drivers, they feel quite, um, quite intimidating. Mm. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Back in the days when I was um, a car journalist, you know, that was the era of uh, P1 Impressors and Mitsubishi Evo 6s and things like that. And we always said, actually, those cars are, they were so competent and they still are i mean it's not i mean I'm, i know i'm talking in the past tense but i but it, it that was my era i remember driving an evo 6 across country in the north of england and just thinking there isn't a car on the planet that can cross country point a to point b quicker than this it's such a and it and it, and it instills so much confidence you know if you'd if you'd at that time if you'd given me a diablo and said get from point a to point b as quickly as the evo yeah. 6 i don't i don't think it would be it would be possible no. um no, it but, but by contrast i think supercars have become they're now so sophisticated aren't they that they mm. they're much less intimidating i think because they they're, they're much more the chassis is so much more accomplished so much more just so much more usable aren't they designed to be sort of driven by anyone i remember was it one of those early top gears with clarkson uh had the mercy Largo and let his grand drive grand drive maybe it was a fifth <laughs> gear and, and and that was like the tipping point for cars to become sort of supercars to be less intimidating but 
Um, but going back to your sort of your point earlier about um, sort of supercars and hypercars, for me, because obviously within Secret Meet, hypercars are a big part of that event. Yeah. Um, sort of making that definition is 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 <laughs> it doesn't always please everyone. But for me, it's like obviously the the big F cars and the Bugattis and the Koenigseggs and things like that. But then I do add sort of Diablos in there a bit because I think they're cool. I think they're massively yeah. underrated. Yeah. Um, and you, you just did. They didn't build very many, so you don't see very many. So I, I stretched the definition there. Obviously, five to nine GTOs, LP six seventy SVs. They they still qualify in in that sort of realm. But um, I think it's just for me, it's anything like limited edition special run. I know that's a little bit more common these days. Again, because there's limited edition of everything. But um, but it's certainly like a, a, any of the F cars, Ferrari, like given straight in. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's a two eight GTO. You know. Yeah. Um, they would qualify. I think it's always it's that kind of the, the cars on your your poster cars, your, your bedroom wall cars, and the, and the sort of pleasure of seeing them all together. Um, that is yeah. that is the the, the hyper cars for me. But like I said, I know I'm sort of all digressing into secret meat here without without um, no, I mean, <laughs> meaning to. But uh, like I say, it's the better. Yeah, I mean, let, let let's have a chat about secret meat because um, I remember. Well, it, am I right in saying you've it's. This year will be its fifth year, will it, or, or not that many? Four. This year will be its sixth. Uh, this will be its fifth year. Yeah, this will be its fifth year in in on track. But it's been an event we've done since twenty eleven. Um, okay. And, and back in the day, it was it was it was truly secret, and members didn't necessarily know where they were going. They didn't know any of the cars that were coming, and um, but it was static. And there was always this kind of dream of oh, how cool would it be to hire Donington. But um, unfortunately, we had to sort of wait okay. to, to make that make that a make that a reality. Okay, so it just started off as as a gathering somewhere and park yep. the cars up, make them look lovely, and mill around. Yeah, yeah, we just just park cars. Uh, we went used to meet at we met the first one we met at Donington, uh, and and my sort of aim was just to get loads of mega cars there. And I think the first one we ever did, we had a sort of event on Roadster, um, CLK DTM Bugatti Veyron Super Sport World Record Edition, and this, this was 2011. These cars have just come out. So um, since then, there's always been a um, it's just a pleasure of mine, really. I've I've loved getting to know owners of of mega cars, cars I've kind of always dreamt of, and then getting earning their trust and um, encouraging them to get these cars out and share them with people. And the secret meet does that, and it did that when we were in a car park. It's done that when we were doing our big photo shoots on a runway, and it's done that now when we're at Donington and Silverstone. So um, it's kind of stayed stayed true, really. Yeah, and I, I you know I, it first came to my my attention of. Uh, Four years ago or so, when I, I first started seeing pictures on social media on of the you know everything parked on the start finish line at Donington Park and looking at it yeah. and just marvelling at it, thinking I don't think I've ever seen a collection of supercars, hypercars like that in one place of different marks and you know you can you get these huge Ferrari yeah. gatherings, don't you, or whatever club club events. But I mean that the secret meet really does stand alone. How? I mean, how do you go about gathering? I mean, I suppose like all of these things, it builds momentum, and then in the in the end, you're not re you're not begging people to come, are you? Because they want to be there, and and no. and something no, no, takes no. on a life of its own. I never would, like I said, never, never, never sort of um, force it on anyone. They would. I think you just create something that, or we have created something that that has the appeal. Um, it has has the. The recognition now people know what it is uh the first one we did at 20, in 2019 at donnington was a bit of a turning point we only had we celebrated bugatti's 110 anniversary 110th anniversary that day and we had 
think nine or ten Bugattis, which was pretty cool yeah back then and, and we just had a couple of race cars running around for 10 minutes um in a couple of 10 minute sessions hypercars members on track and it was like this was this is cool this this could be something and then 2020 obviously covid it was meant to be in may covid hit uh we had a big chunky deposit down with donnington but they they worked with us and we managed to squeeze it in in on the 20th of october 2020 just before another lockdown and that was actually the the turning point for us i think because it was in covid everyone who normally is abroad were, was in the uk everyone so we, the yeah. turnout was spectacular the turnout was ridiculous and that's that's when we put all the cars around the melbourne loop the famous hairpin yeah and that's when yeah when when like like dk brought clk gtr and, and, and an f1 tom Hunter jr brought squiggles um we did a little f50 celebration there were six f50s all different colors silver yellow bunch of red ones and it was just um yeah that was the sort of the turning point for that event i think suddenly. it's amazing it's am actually it is amazing what covid did for for events because it, it for car events because not only as you say were people in the in the country everyone had been cooped up for god knows how long but most importantly where cars are concerned nobody had used their cars you know essential journeys only to the corner shop or whatever and you're not taking yeah. your f50 probably yeah. So the desire for people to get out that year and and use the car and 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 just have a bit of fun, um, yeah, I totally get it. I totally get it. And then and and you've had F one cars, am yeah. I right in saying as well? You, yeah, we did. Yeah, 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 we did. Yeah, we've we've had some absolutely epic stuff. Um, last well, it's not last year. Now it's twenty twenty two. We we had Senna's MP four seven going around to the Marlborough car that three litre v12 you know just probably the most epic thing ever um we had adrian and harry newey in in their mp419 the kimmy car 2004 yeah that was mega there's been some some real highlights i mean i i've not mentioned this to you but my, i grew up around motorsport my, my father designed racing cars so i've um had a sort of a long history in in cars when i was a kid motorsport so for me i love the hypercars but for me secret me is a big way to to sort of relive some youth as well and um and get some great group c and some the mon prototypes and some of these endurance cars out and running and and uh i think it, it complements the the road cars really well they, they just go together a lot of the guys that own road cars have got race cars and vice versa so yeah, yeah. um and it just works so it's yeah it's a bit of a pleasure really and i think everyone that comes um obviously secret meet is really predominantly for for members of supercar driver it's like our sort of treat to them really um uh, to have this sort of really unique experience access all areas to these amazing cars um so yeah it's quite a privilege and i think the f1 nothing really pulls pulls uh the excitement um and as much as as much as the f1s is f1 so you say you've always, you love motorsport and that's kind of your first passion so is that f is it f1 that is your thing or is it is it in no i mean i mean f1 is my thing uh, but my dad he did well, a bit of everything he was big in f3 um in the 90s worked for sort of tom's toyota and he worked on the takaku project the in 88 89 this sort of yellow uh, tom's um group c yeah. car cool. sort of had a big history in that and then went in and did panels in sort of 99 the panels le mans lmp roadster s so um nothing sort of sounded like panels did it no exactly and he was chief designer on that project and i remember watching it sort of come from a drawing on his on his drawing board right the way through to his clay model and then at le mans in 99 watching them and the, and the yeah you're right the, the nothing sounded like them um so uh so that's been a big a big sort of catalyst for me you know doing something i love uh, i suppose and going back to the sort of start of this like my dad he he was very uh, fortunate to be doing something he loved his dream job and that did definitely inspire me to try and find something that i loved and, and and do that yeah no absolutely i think um 
I, when I moan about um, having to jump on another plane to go somewhere for work and, and it feels like, you know, <laughs> I'm spending half my life traveling, I, I have to remind myself that I could be shuffling bits of paper in an office somewhere. And uh, I mean, I do shuffle a bit of paper in an office, but but there's a, there's yep, a, same. We, we are very lucky. Any anybody that has the opportunity to work in something that they feel very passionately about. Um, we're we're very lucky. But never never quite never quite feel, feels like work. I think that's the the kind of key thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Like, and obviously, as our business has grown, it's it's become more and more stressful. You've got more and more people, more and more things to coordinate. But there is always that thing of just how lucky are we? You know, how lucky are we? Yeah. Um, how lucky am I doing something I love every single day? It's um, it never never feels like work, and you just just sort of do it without even realise you're doing it. So, um, and I think just one other thing that I'd like to touch on is 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 the members themselves you know the cars are the cars are absolutely awesome we love the cars but it's the people you meet that, that kind of just make it yeah. a, a, and i'm sure it's like that with anything in in life but it's the people really that sort of make this the the the, the dream job uh, well, they're just we, so passionate a hundred percent i couldn't agree more and we we've talked before on this podcast actually about the role that clubs and 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 people and gatherings in whatever form race meetings if that's what you're into the role that um that plays in in the hobby and 100 percent speaking you know as an auction house representing an auction house you know it is really what underpins the market you know, because you're owning a car. I mean, whether it's a pre-war car from the 1920s that is your entry into the vintage sports car club and you can go off and do crazy things with the vintage sports car club um, and they do all sorts of wonderful things. Uh, or whether it's a LaFerrari because it's entry into a club like yours or, or you know, you want to go to Salon Privé or, or, or do whatever you want to mm. do with it. It, it is... I mean, Goodwood is a brilliant example of an event that's now gathered so much momentum and has built yeah. such a community around it. A lot of people are buying classic cars because, you know, they want they, they want to just take a classic car to Goodwood Revival and park in the classic car park and and be a part mm. of that community and all of the people. So I think that it is it is about the people isn't it because because if you go to an event surrounded by lots of lovely um lots of lovely cars but the people themselves are a bit standoffish and you, you, you know and, and don't really want to mix or talk that's no fun at all is it no no definitely and and it's like I say like you touched on there it's people's hobby like we we are so lucky that our business is is um based on making people happy really and, and them enjoying their their cars that they've all sort of uh, worked very hard for and that's the other thing like we don't see the we see the guys and girls when they've they turn up with their supercars we haven't seen the 20 years of graft and all the other stuff they've had mm. to put up with we just see them now um but yeah it's just the people the friendships you make the, the opportunities you have um uh it's kind of like we we do have the dream job and i've said this to a few people recently like we have the dream job to sort of create these amazing experiences and it, and that's kind of like the motivation that keeps you going to create the next thing and you're constantly sort of looking about what else we can do where can we go what can we do obviously you're blessed with all these amazing cars that keep getting um made and built and that like the one one car i'm i'm desperate to see is the is the uh, gordon murray t50s you know i can't wait to see yeah. that it's going to rock up at a track at some point and blow everyone's ears off and i I just can't wait to see that and there's that's just yeah. one tiny tiny part of um a, a bigger puzzle so um yeah. yeah i'll tell you what's what's interesting and, and i and i think perhaps our 
listeners might be interested in this topic as well. Um, we did a podcast uh, a couple of episodes back where myself and a couple of colleagues were talking about the things about the car market that annoy us. And we were talking about people's obsession with matching numbers, uh, not so much a thing with, with modern supercars, but certainly with the mm. older cars, you know, matching numbers, the obsession with original paint has at some point has that car yeah. has some paint on it and all you know and if, and if you don't tick yeah. all of those boxes then all of a sudden nobody wants the car anymore well, a bit of an exaggeration but you know what i mean uh the other thing no, no, course, it's true, yeah, it's true. which which is true the the thing that is a particular bugbear um is mileage you know that the, the fact that people have now become so scared of using cars because of the effect mm. I, a few years ago i had a a 430 scooter ear, which I which was um, uh, some years old when I bought it, but it was a very low mileage car. And every hundred miles that clicked on the odometer, I, I was having a sort of a, an anxiety attack because I was panicking about how much how much <laughs> money had just fallen off off the value of the car. And I think a lot of people um, clearly are buying limited edition hypercars and supercars, and they're parking them and they're never getting driven and then they're coming onto the market one two three four years later mm -hmm. with 400 kilometers on the odometer what what clubs like yours rather kind of um uh do is is counter the theory that people don't actually use use their cars i mean it, and yeah, clearly nice. the bulk of your membership really don't have any concern about that at all no, I think I mean our our strap line is your reason to drive. Like that's that's what we are all about. And no. um, you are right. I mean, we had this debate recently with with someone. You just don't see Ferraris over twenty thousand miles. Uh, there's lots of lots of things like we we yeah we we encourage driving car. You you work all your life to buy these cars. You love driving. You want to sort of take it on these ex different experiences and um, events and adventures. Really you want to go in just experience your car you shouldn't be worried about about the mileage and yeah thankfully a lot of our members aren't i mean there's a gentleman that's that bought a 918 spider in may and he's he had five thousand miles at the time it's already done ten thousand miles and he's only had it since may yeah and he doesn't care he just wants to enjoy it but it i mean 99 percent of people are are drivers obviously they're there they're, they're our kind of members that, that want to get out in their cars and not be worried about it but but I mean, I, I bought a 997.1 gt3 in 2019 it's kind of the car i always wanted um and I bought the wrong one and it, it didn't have very many miles on it. And I was like you, I, I actually thought every single thousand miles I went over, I thought, actually, I'm just, I bought a really nice one and it's the wrong car for me. So I, I sold it. And then a few years later, bought a 60,000 mile car and I drive it hard. All the, all the team drive it. I'm not, we no yeah. one cares. We're not precious about it. And, um, and we want that to be a hundred thousand mile GT3 soon. So, um, that, that, that is definitely, yeah, you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Buy, buy I mean, the more, one, one, buy one. the more leggy car pay less for it and then don't have all the anxiety yeah. about putting more miles on it and then and then and then drive it and enjoy it and, and there's one thing we're doing at the secret meet this year um we're doing a non-cause right not a concourse so um we are there's different categories and we're celebrating cars that are are driven and enjoyed and they've got stone chips and they've got stories and are forever cars and um we want one owner high mileage hypercars is one of the categories and there's a guy with a twenty thousand mile laugh there's a guy with thirty thousand miles on his 918 there's a f40 yeah. that he's had since new and there's all these different categories um we want stone chips we want to just celebrate nice cars they don't have to be a speciale with with no miles and a really clean engine bay it can be just a normal 458 
that's been driven. That's what we want to do. So we've got a slightly different take on it for, for Secret Meat, which would be quite fun. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. Uh, and and have, you, have you, in the years that you've been running the club, uh, without wanting to bang on about mileage and, and using cars uh, too much, but have you seen um, a, di a change in people's attitudes over the years? I mean, if you go back to 2010, were people much less concerned about putting mileage on cars than they are today? Yeah. Yeah. Much less concerned, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. But that was a bit of a sweet spot as well because cars didn't weren't too expensive, were they? I know it's yeah. sort of a sign of the times. Uh, it was things were different, but that's when you could buy a, a Strad for eighty grand. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And and we used to have ten of them at events, and they're all they're all just enjoying them. And then and then I think it's when the cars, like say, like the GT threes of this of, of of the current time, when you realise you can get overs, uh, it kind of changes the whole. The whole kind of dynamic really doesn't it of um of enjoying them but certainly back in the day i don't think anyone really cared um but no. also there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't social media there wasn't social media there wasn't that's something yeah. that's really grown our business and it's, it's it's increased the desire and i think it's increased the desire for for everyone you know you, you all see what people are doing on social media now and go i want to do that and and uh, it's all sort of um snowballed from there hasn't it so what, sort of thinking about maybe wrapping up now, but 2024, we're at the beginning, you and I are chatting here, it's January and we've got a whole yep. year ahead of us. Um, you've got great news on Secret Meat um, because it's it's going to Silverstone um, to the Grand Prix circuit, yes. yep. um, which, which yep. is very exciting. I mean, Donington's a great track, but it's always nice to mix it up a bit, isn't it? It is. So yeah, that's been well received by yep. members. It has, yeah, huge, yeah, huge. We haven't launched it to members yet, but they know the date. So, um, but just the excitement. I mean, it's 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 the best circuit in the UK by a long way. Um, uh, so, yeah, the the excitement for that has been huge. Like I said to you, we're we're having a slightly different approach this year. Less less is more. Uh, slightly different way to how we sort of manage our event calendar and how we sort of communicate our events. We've got an app launching um, at the end of this month, which will be a bit of a game changer for us and something we've been sort of working on for a while. Um, it will just make the member experience a lot better. I think that's one of our big focuses this year, just really honing in on what members want and 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 really delivering that. And it isn't they don't want 183 events, <laughs> and neither do we. Um, so yeah, it's sort of quality over quantity. And I know we've discussed doing some cool cool activations regarding auctions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we around the, around around the globe. Yeah, I mean, you know, for us. Um... Obviously, we sell everything, you know, from veteran cars to modern hype cars and everything in between. But unquestionably, the the role that supercars play in the marketplace now, in the auction market, is is considerably more significant than it was a few years ago. Um, you know, I remember our auction in Paris last, at the beginning of last year when we sold the Bugatti Profile for, I forget the yeah. exact number, eight point something million euros, an, an awful lot of money. But that auction was absolutely dominated by what I consider modern, modern-ish supercars. Mm. And, um, we, you know, if you go back some years, the number of supercars, hypercars that were, were, were sort of manufactured in the last 10 or 20 years formed a relatively small percentage of the cars that we were offering and you know and you'd see way more cars from the 1970s 60s 50s um mm. 
and we used used we still sell an awful lot of those as well but 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 you know supercars have become such a core part of the marketplace now that that um, working with for us working with a club like yours it, it makes a huge amount of commercial sense um and so yeah we're really looking forward to it should be a good year yeah likewise no honestly we are and thanks for thanks for having me on this and um yeah so super excited for the year ahead Many thanks to Adam at Supercar Driver. Uh, I really enjoyed that chat and we're looking forward to working with Supercar Driver for the rest of this year and beyond, I hope. So fantastic. Thank you for joining RM Sudbury's Car Show. In the next episode, um, we talk about cars mainly, as you know, but just occasionally we talk about watches we've talked about jewelry we've talked about whiskey because we are part of sotheby's and there's a lot of good stuff in sotheby's and in the next episode we're going to be talking about wine and i wager most of you enjoy wine so uh tune in next time see you then bye